morning again. We want to, uh, if you wonder why I'm up here and down here so much, uh, we want to remember Pamela Dudley and, 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 and uh, Brenda and Gary are not able to be with us today, so I kind of got handed all the other things throughout the, uh, the service. But pray for them as well um, and the situations. We pray, um, for again, continuing for the pastoral search. We thank you for the, the pre-service, I don't know, the pre-message part of the service. That was great. Of course, we invite and, and expect and anticipate the Holy Spirit's presence here today. So the, the message this morning uh, is spiritual disciplines all Christians should practice. I've mentioned, in fact, that I love top ten lists. If I can't find ten of them, I'll make them up. If I find 13, I'll take three away. I have to have 10. It's just, I feel good about 10. So I have probably 20 sermons that are 10 something. And in two weeks, it'll be the 10 characteristics of the return of Christ. I believe Jesus is coming back. And we're going to take a look at the 10 characteristics of the return of Christ. And then moving into the Easter season, we're going to be talking about the, the feasts and festivals of the Old Testament, how they apply to the New Testament and Christ's fulfillment, and why this is so special. I almost fell over. This is so special because Christ pulled it right out of the Passover Seder. And so we're going to take a look at the Jewish feasts and festivals, Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits, and Christ's fulfillment, and why your, your interim pastors... Um, conviction and feeling that we should be celebrating them as, as Christians. That we didn't have to throw them away just because they were originally Jewish. So that's just kind of a teaser. And of course a great resurrection um, a message on Sunday, Easter Sunday, and a Good Friday service. I believe we're, we are having a Good Friday service. So that's cool too. So a lot of stuff to look forward to. So hang around. You know, a church in transition needs one thing. Well, it needs the Holy Spirit. But it needs people to stay and stick it out and draw closer together and through this, we become a stronger church family. But speaking of getting stronger, we need to be healthy as believers. I talked about last week, you know, and, and, and other weeks, we talked about the fact that we, we're called to witness, we're called to be strong in our society, we're called to grow in our faith, we're called to represent Christ, you know, make disciples. But we can if we're spiritually unhealthy. We just can. Just like you can't do a lot of things if you're physically Unhealthy. So these are ten spiritual disciplines, biblical spiritual disciplines, that every Christian should be practicing. If you were to, let's go to the first, oh, now, actually, let's, I have more of an introduction. If you were to go to the doctor, and many of us do, and the doctor were to say, look, these are the things you have to do, or you're not going to be healthy, or you're not going to make it. You would probably practice them, although many of us look at it and go, well, for instance, you might say, look, if you want to get healthy, you know, exercise. Reduce sitting time, reduce screen time, eat healthier, eat more vegetables, low-carb, vitamins and minerals, drink water, stay hydrated, get plenty of sleep, don't smoke, you know, limit or eliminate alcohol. I mean, they go on and on. That list is the disciplines that you have to make a choice and intentionally do if you want to get healthy. The same is the case spiritually. If we want to get healthy spiritually and stay healthy spiritually, the ten disciplines that are on that little handout, yes, it's a little shorter today. I didn't write a book today. Um, so it means you have to look forward here a little bit. But um, otherwise you go, I've got the handout, I can go home. You know, but what you miss is this great repartee. You know, that's what you miss on this. So let's take a look at the first one. The first one, the first most critical spiritual discipline, Bible reading and study. If you're not in the Word, we have to have a chat. Because as, as a growing, believing Christian, we need to be in the Word. 
The Bible says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. John says, Sanctify them by the truth, for your word is truth. And these verses are all up here. I'm going to let you study them this weekend or this week. And Timothy says again, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed, God-inspired, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is the written revelation of God. A steady, consistent, regular, intentional intake of the Word is essential. It is necessary. It is the critical, necessary element of our spiritual growth and spiritual disciplines. The Word of God is our spiritual food. Jeremiah says it. The Word of God is our spiritual food. David says, I hunger for you and your Word like a deer panteth for water. I mean, it is our spiritual food. Without food, we die physically, and without the Word, we die spiritually. So, we can stop right there. In fact, in my notes, I have a stop sign. You can see it right here. There's a stop sign. And it says, we can stop right here because if you're not making time to read the Bible, the other nine don't matter. I'm sorry, if you're not a daily intake of God's Word, you're starving yourself spiritually. And I'm talking about the Word of God. I'm not, um, do you have a question? Okay, don't usually get those during the message, but... Where do you start? Where do you start? You start in the book of John. Okay, start in the book of John and get yourself a study Bible. We can provide that, right? We'll figure out a way to get you a study Bible, okay? I have, um, Brenda already gets Okay, all right. Start in the book of John and let the Lord take you from there. But I would start with the book of John, okay? And then go to the book of Romans, but that's, that'll be a little deeper. But start, <laughs> what if you can't read? We'll find somebody to read it to you. There's audio. There's, audio. There's books on the audio as well. So study the Word of God. We've got to spend that time because if you stopped eating, we know what would happen to you. Well, I could probably do it for a few weeks and not worry about it. But we have to have spiritual food. And the stop sign in my nose says, we've got to do that. That's the first spiritual discipline. Second one is meditation. And this isn't the Eastern meditation. You know, I'm not going to go around and say namaste to everybody. This is not Eastern meditation. This is focusing and wanting to understand more about what you're reading. You can study, we read the Bible, and you can study the context and where it is and who the message and who the, the recipients were. But now the meditation part is we don't want to be in a hurry when we're studying the Lord, with studying the Bible. Joshua says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will prosper and be successful. And Psalm 19 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And Psalmist continues, David, is, Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on this law day and night. We can't be in a hurry. If, if Bible reading and Bible study just becomes a check mark, oh, I've got five more minutes, okay, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to go, I'm going to read John 11.35, Jesus wept, okay, i got my Bible reading out of the way, now I can say a quick prayer, I can do the Lord's Prayer, you know, it's, you do the Our Father, the, the Lutherans call it the Our Father, I was surprised that they that we're going to do the Our Father, but you know, we're going to do the Lord's Prayer, okay, i got my Bible reading and my prayer done, I'm out of here, no, meditation says I've read the Word, 
if I'm studying, I'm even actually, I'm applying the context. Where was it written? Why was it written? To whom was it written? The meditation is, is that we are looking for a time of reflection and thinking about what we have read. And that allows us to grow even more in a spiritual standpoint. We should meditate and reflect. Again, we're not doing the Easter meditation where we're trying to detach ourselves from reality. This is an intentional process where we're looking at the Word. And and I found a thing on OpenTheBible.org that as you're meditating on God's Word, meditate for these five reasons. Number one, meditate to focus. And you can write it down, but it makes a terrible acronym. It's F-U-R-W-A, FURWA. So I don't know how we're going to make that. But meditate to focus. You know, again, concentrate and focus. Number two, meditate to understand. Lord, speak to me. Meditate. You know, what are you trying to say to me in this word? Meditate to remember. We should all be memorizing scripture. I just I remember right back in the day we had Bible memory. We had we had the the, the course the, we had the sword drills. We had Bible memory. We had the quiz teams. You know I think the Nazarene Church still has has quiz teams for the kids and the and the teens. And boy I tell you that is the way to digest and to memorize. Meditate on the Word to remember it. Meditate on the Word to worship. I'm going through the Psalms in my devotion, and I gotta tell you, half the Psalms are worship, but half the Psalms are desperate cries from David. He's either crying for God to help him, crying for God because he feels he's deserted him, or he's crying for punishment of the enemies. Wipe them out, Lord. All those that hate you, I hate, get rid of them, etc. I mean, so the Psalms are not always, this is the day, this, I mean, the, there is a lot of Psalms that are desperate cries. So meditate to worship, and then finally, Meditate to apply. Apply them. What is, what is, what is, what, how can I apply that to my life, my spiritual growth? So focus, understand, remember, worship, and apply. Third one is prayer. The Bible says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, not just in occasional situations or some situations, in every situation, by prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Yes, He wants our praise. Yes, He's worthy of our worship. But boy, He loves to hear from us. And it's okay. My grandkids ask for me stuff all the time. And it hasn't yet begun to bug me. Occasionally I might a little. But I'm not God, so I don't have infinite mercy and patience. But I love it because they're coming to me because they know Grandpa's going to have fruit snacks in his pocket. He just They just know. We walk in the door, the little ones come running up to us, and instead of saying, Grandpa and Grandma, they go, fruit snacks? It's like, okay, here we go. Now I know why you love me. You just love me for the, for the fruit snacks. But God wants us to bring our requests to Him. And He knows what's best for us. And, of course, we obviously know what's best for us. But we come to Him in prayer. Colossians says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and being thankful. And Thessalonians says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In Matthew 6, 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says three when yous. That's another sermon series. The three when yous. Jesus says when you pray. So he didn't say if you pray or if you get around to praying. He assumed the other two are, of course, when you fast and when you give. So those are also on this list, by the way. When you pray... Clearly he was indicating that it wasn't an if. He's expecting us. The assumption, if not, if, even if you look at it as a command, is that we should be in prayer. The, you know, um, 
Uh, yeah, Thessalonians says continually. I know we can't be continually in prayer. We can have a heart, though, that's open to pray. I pray all day long. No, I don't pray if I'm in my with a client meeting, you know, like saying, "Excuse me, Mark," and I'm going, "Sorry, I just, I, I, I just want to take a few moments and pray." I'm not going to worry about your financial plan unless I'm praying over their financial plan, which I do. Uh, but we we want to be in a in a heart and in a, and in a, and in a, in a position of, of spirit of prayer on a regular, daily, continual as a continual discipline. Remember, discipline isn't I'm being disciplined as in punished. This is a discipline as an intentional act, an intentional decision to do something. We can pray anywhere, anytime, but the combination of spontaneous prayer throughout the day and a focused, dedicated time can help become, have prayer become a priority in our lives. And I've got another stop sign. And this says, next stop, if we are not in communion and communication with our Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in prayer, the rest of the list now starts to lose its impact. So the first three, studying the Bible, reading the Bible, meditating on the Scripture, and then praying. That's, that's it, folks. You want to do those three? That's the exercise, eat healthy, and get plenty of sleep. Okay, that's, that's, the, that's the foundation. So let's move on to the next one. Four, fasting. You wonder why is fasting up there? Well, fasting is... A representation of self-denial. In Matthew uh, 16, I believe it's 16, 18, I have it written in here, 16, 24. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciples, you take up your, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That's another sermon. I may have even preached it here at Longmont. But what is the requirement of, of, of discipleship? Salvation is free. We all know that. Praise God. We looked at that last week on our basic foundational Christian beliefs. As we believe salvation is through grace... By faith, through grace, it is not uh, by works, it is a gift of God. So salvation is free. But there is a cost to becoming a disciple. Just like when you see a box of free puppies. Yep, that box of puppies is free. You don't have to pay anything to get those puppies. But boy, I tell you, there is a cost. There is a huge cost. Some people say it costs between $1,000 and $1,200 just to get everything taken care of for a new puppy if you want to treat them right and make them healthy and get them ready to go if you've adopted or rescued. So there is a cost, even though the price is free. And Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, here's the three things. You've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Well, the first thing is deny ourselves. That goes completely counter to our culture. Bless you. To our culture. Our culture is indulge yourself. Indulge yourself. Put yourself first. You know, the worst thing, the, the bane of our existence now is something called a self-e. It starts out with the word self. Let's take a picture of myself, put it on social media so everybody can see me. It goes the complete opposite of what Jesus said, and that is deny yourself. And fasting is a wonderful, tangible way of denying ourselves. Jesus said again in Matthew 16, another one of the when you's. When you fast, as the hypocrites do, don't look somber, don't walk around and go, I'm fasting. I haven't eaten for six and a half hours. And because the, the Pharisees were doing that for their reward. They were doing that so people would look at them and go, wow, they're really spiritual. Look at their fasting. I wish I was as spiritual as them. No, Jesus says, when you fast, wash your face, put oil on your head, and walk around as if you're not fasting. Because fasting is between you and God. It's not to do it 
you know, out so everybody can see it. In fact, the rest of that prayer passage says, when you pray, don't pray on the street corners. Pray in the closet. Pray in your room. Pray so the prayer is between you and the Lord. Fasting may be one of the most neglected of all the spiritual disciplines today. And I do believe it. I, I, we fast, as a family, we fast on Yom Kippur. But yeah, I'm not Jewish, but Yom Kippur is the, day, is the national day of fasting. And it's one time a year where the entire nation was called to fast um, in, in Israel. And we need to specify out. I'll do a disclaimer right here. I am not a doctor. I play one on TV, but I'm not a doctor. And so if you have a medical condition for fasting that you can't fast, then don't. There are other things to fast from. But food is considered the most, uh, most prevalent because it is something we need and it's something that probably most of us eat too much of. And so fasting is taking that, that essence, that essential area in our lives and denying ourselves for a certain period of time. Now, I'm not suggesting the 40 days that Jesus um, supernaturally was, was sustained, but there is a time and a place for fasting. In fact, if you take a look at the Lenten season that we're in, there's three pillars of the Lenten season. And the Lenten season, even though it was very much, you know, very much a, a Catholic kind of, of observation, there are still three, still three pillars that were developed, and that is prayer, fasting, and giving. And those three things are on these list of disciplines. So one is prayer, the other one is fasting, a time of denying yourself. Now, when I was growing up, as a Protestant, and I had Catholic friends, they would say, I'm giving something up. That was the way of saying I'm fasting. Now, they didn't say it that way, but it was, I'm giving something up for Lent. For the next four days, I'm giving something up. Here's the top list of things that people are giving up for Lent. Meat. We know that's the number one because the list obviously comes out of a, of a Catholic website. But meat is, is, the, is the number one because, and that's why we have fish on Fridays. Not we, but that's why there's so many fish places open on Fridays because of Jesus' crucifixion. They, 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 they look at that as, as meat. Another one, there's one that skyrocketed to second place, social media. People are now fasting for 40 days. I've, I've got a lot of friends that have said, I will be off Facebook until Easter. I will be off Twitter until Easter. I will be off Instagram until Easter. Well, that's a huge fast in our day. I mean, let's face it. Here's the new prayer stance in our day. You know, that's all you see. You take a look. I had a joke the other day. I saw it was a park, and there were half a dozen people all doing this, and the Bigfoot was walking right by, and it says, this is why Bigfoot is never seen, because our face is in our phone. Instead of into people and looking them in the eye and greeting them and smiling them. You go to dinner, boy, our phones are gone when you run around. Because I, I see married couples or people dating. They're sitting there and they're both like this. They go, talk to each other for crying out loud. When we go out with our older grandkids, you know what? The phones are put away. They know it and they respect it. Because we have become so addicted to the social media and to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And Oh my gosh, I'd hate if I miss a text. I hate if I would miss a text because my whole life would, would be completely altered if I did. And so that's the second, that's, that's skyrocketed. I mean, 20 years ago that wouldn't even be on the list. And now it's, um, other favorite foods like chocolate, sweets, and desserts. Yeah. That's a tough one. I told you earlier that I'm giving up liver and onions for, for, um, so that's another thing. You don't give up something that you don't like anyway. You know, it's, 
And number four is alcohol. And if you go, hey, I don't drink, well, then you're not fasting. Hey, guess what? I fasted for 40 days. Well, you don't drink? You didn't fast. Okay? You didn't give up something because that's what the point of it is denying ourselves. Coffee. And I heard some people gasp. You know, they just went, oh. they go, no, that, we can't give that up. Boy, that'd be a tough one. That'd be a tough one. The next one is, is, goes along with it, and that's caffeine. And then soda pop. Oh, I've got to have my Coke, Mark. I've got to have my Coke. If you've got to have your Pepsi, get rid of it. Um, I've got to have my Coca-Cola. I've got to have that. Electronic games, video games. I mean, let's face it, that was huge when my kids were growing up, and now we're even into the metaverse where we've got the virtual reality. You know, and boy, that's even more addictive. But giving up the electronic games. Last two, television, streaming shows, sports, you know, watching sports, everything. Just give up the TV screen. And the final one is our creature comforts. That's just that there's so many that fall under that habit, whether it's a comfortable bed, you know, transportation. Some people say, I'm going to take the bus to work. Some people have to take the bus to work. So you're not, you're not, fasting from your car if you have to take the bus to work. But those are just some of the things that made lists uh, on the Internet. Yes, because everything's on the Internet. You can believe it. You know, I mean, Abraham Lincoln was quoted as saying 75% of what you see on the Internet is false. <laughs> I thought that was really cool that our, you know, our former president was able to say that. But we miss an opportunity for spiritual growth and we don't fast. You know, I'm taking an awful lot of time on this because I don't think we, we do it enough. I don't, I don't do it enough. My dad, God bless him, he was a saint. He's in heaven now. He fasted every Tuesday and Thursday his entire life. That was just, he chose that time. He fasted, he had water, occasionally juice, because um, you have to stay hydrated. You, you don't, it's, a, it's a special fast if you stop everything. But there are fasting guides, fasting books. I have a series on fasting. We may want to throw that in there at some point. But it fosters humility and reliance on God. It really does. And Satan's right there. The minute you say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to fast. After I'm going to not eat breakfast and lunch. I'm going to fast until 3 o'clock. Guess what? After an hour, you're hungry. The refrigerator is calling your name. Satan's telling you, you can't make it. You can't do this. You know, you, you become more hungry than you've ever become before when you've decided to fast. But this is a, a, a decision. I'm going to deny myself, take a step back, and let God speak to me. Number five is worship. Yet a time is coming, and it's now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the fathers seek. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And yes, we do worship in our spirit and we worship in song. We had some wonderful hymns today. I mean, there's some great worship songs. Well, worship isn't just singing, but boy, there are some great ones. Well, I just made a mental list right off the top of my head and was shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. That's worship. Our God is an awesome God. A few years back, our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven on above. See, thank you. I'll look over to the praise team when we're here. Worthy is the Lamb. We sang that today. They didn't even know that was on my list. But worthy is the Lamb. You want to go to Revelation. Boy, Revelation 4 and 5. You want a worship service? Read Revelation 4 and 5. It's all worship. 
and the 24 elders and the angels and the cherubim and the seraphim. Everybody's around the throne of God. It's pre-rapture. Everybody's around the throne of God. You know, you've got the cherubim and the seraphim. I said, you know, the cherubim hang from the top of the cave and the seraphim grow up from the bottom of the cave. Just, oh, no, I'm sorry, that's stalactite and stalagmite. Sorry. But they're surrounding the throne. Revelation 4 and 5 is a huge, huge worship service. How great thou art. Is there any worship song? Just read the lyrics in a worship. You don't even have to sing it. Just read the lyrics to how great thou art. Holy, holy, holy. That's also in Revelation 4 and 5. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. It just Those are worship songs. But worship is an act or feeling of expression of devotion, adoration, or reverence towards a deity. The worship is more than an activity. It's an attitude of awe and wonder, praise, gratitude, obedience, and humble recognition of, to, of and submission to God's greatness, love, and grace. You can't head... How can you drive west and look at the mountains and not worship? We've been here 30 years. We moved from Michigan, which is known for its mountains. We drove here, of course, through Iowa, Kansas, Nebraska, whatever to get here. also known for their mountains. So you need to look at the mountains, and that, number one, speaks to you of God's creation, His power, His majesty. But you can always look for ways to worship. You can look at a small child and just praise God for a new life. You can look at a flower. You can, I'm not going to get all poetic and you know, start... you know. Um, Cody Wads, you know, Wadsworth, the Wadsfellow, Longfellow, and you know all those guys. Yeah, obviously, I'm into poetry. The worship part is how is it a discipline? It's because we discipline ourselves to set a time each day, or maybe even a planned expression, as well as allowing for opportunities to worship spontaneously. Number six, solitude. Now, some of us hate the thought of being alone. That just it scares us to be alone. The others is we would die and we would love time to be alone I always think of course you know young mothers with small children my son and daughter-in-law they have six kids I told you we go to their house there's so much love in that house they've raised the kids to love the Lord but there's so much chaos I get nervous it's just you know it's chaotic but I'm sure my son and daughter-in-law would love more opportunities for solitude my wife and I we have too much opportunity for solitude I mean, we just we can be alone a lot, and we can take that time to be with the Lord. But Mark, um, in Mark chapter six, it says, "Then because so many were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, "Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest." That's Jesus talking. And also, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. The soul needs time to breathe spiritually. We need time to just reflect and we need to reset. And for us, we have hectic lives. Our culture makes us think we have to be busy to be useful. It just We do. And, and we've bought into that. And we think that if we're not busy, we're not useful. And so we, we fill our calendars and we fill our times. And if we, if we have some time where we're not doing anything, I'm not saying this is everybody. Like I said, there's others that are dying for time alone. But we, we are, are filling our, our day. We need to get away. It allows us to restart our life. How we look at things allows God to speak to us. I know many pastors, every year, they take a, a um, time off for a week. They go up to the mountains. They go up to Golden Bell and get a room at the cabins up there. And they just tend to spend time alone with God. 
to kind of reset themselves spiritually. And we all can't do that. But even just a small time per week where we just get alone and we just reflect and spend time with God. Number seven is discernment. And this is my prayer, that your love be abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And my, why I teach a Sunday school class, this is my, my verse all the time for Sunday school classes, Hebrew 5, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you still need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God. Over and over again, you need milk and not solid food. But anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to discern good from evil. I have a website called MilkToSolidFood.com where I post all of my Sunday school lessons. And it's, it's an opportunity. And when I get there, of course, the first paragraph is, for those of you that came here mistakenly looking how to wean your toddler, this is not it. <laughs> I'm trying to wean Christians off of milk and onto solid food. Because that's how you grow. By digging into the Scripture and getting into the meat of Scripture, and that helps us then discern. There are spiritual gift. There's a spiritual gift of discernment which allows them. People can sense evil, and can sense evil spirits, can sense demons. I'm not going to go into the description, but there is that spiritual gift of discernment. But we are called as believers to be discerning. It is the Spirit-inspired ability to separate our imperfect will from God's perfect will, and in recognizing, judging, and choosing what is right, good, and pure from what is wrong, evil, and pure. In other words, we are called to discern between right and wrong. We live in an age of deception. I believe I may have spoken this message here at some point in the last couple of years, but we live in an age of deception. Satan is out to deceive us. In fact, it even says in the Bible, it says that, that the Antichrist will deceive even the elect, will try to deceive even the elect. And so we live in an age of deception and we need to have a time where we take a breath and we look at what we're hearing and what we're seeing and discern good from evil. The opposite of discernment is naivete, gullibility, and ignorance. The Lincoln quote that I told earlier, I I don't know if I've ever had anybody come up afterwards and go, did Abraham Lincoln really say that? That's the same person that believes everything they see on Facebook, every email they get, and they also believe that the, there's a map to a treasure on the back of the Declaration of Independence. You know, I've had more people think that the national treasure was true because it was historically accurate, just enough to make a great story. I'm sorry, I love National Treasure 1 and 2. It's a great, well-done movie with just enough historical accuracy that the gullible will think, I mean, that's not true. If I go to Independence Hall, there isn't a, a uh, Ben Franklin's multi-lens glasses hidden in a brick building in the church tower. No. There's no huge Cibola treasure underneath the, the uh, Mount Rushmore. But it's, it's well done and it's entertaining. But folks, we have got, as Christians especially, we have got to stop being gullible and naive. We need to be, as Jesus said, sly as foxes. I mean, we need to go out and we need to discern and we don't just blindly pass something on that we see. That someone says, oh, I just can't believe this. I'm just going to forward this to everybody I know. Don't. Practice discernment. 
on good and evil service. We'll move right along because we've got communion too. Each of you should use whatever gift you receive to serve others. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. These are, these are very convicting verses for me. Instead, Jesus says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, or to be served, but to serve. We are called in our Christian walk to intentionally serve others. The spiritual discipline of service means we're committed to serving others as Jesus called us to and exemplified himself. The best, this is about using the best of what God has given us. And I'm skipping some of the bullets. You can read them up there. Um, the more we serve, the more Christ-like we become. So we are called to serve others. Debbie, my wife, is a servant. She has that spiritual gift. She's you know, helping out with communion um, at, our, at our other church. She just had, when, when there's something to be done, she's just there. She raises her hand. I'm not so much. I'm sorry. I will clean up tables and pick up trash, but I'd rather be up in front preaching and I just don't feel called to serve sometimes, but I have to work on that. The next one is, uh, number nine, is um, oops, sorry, is evangelism and witnessing. We are called to share the gospel. Um, as Christians, we need to witness. Uh, the Bible says, you know, go, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Always be prepared to give an answer. This is Peter. To everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is within you. So evangelism and witnessing, it goes without saying, but it's the responsibility of every Christian to share his or her faith with other people. And at the most elementary level, it is talking to people about Jesus with a view towards them, seeing them accepted him as Savior and serve him as Lord. That's the elementary. That's the basic you're talking to people about Jesus with the view or the intent that they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And sharing our faith is not optional. But our God has not called us to be successful. He's just called us to be obedient and be faithful. And finally, giving. And this is all, you know, giving. There is people that have a spiritual gift of giving and others. It's, it's, an, it's, it's, a, it's a discipline to look for areas that we can give. Certainly tithing is one way, but to me, tithing is not giving. Tithing is just basically not stealing from God. I mean, we owe him his for our first fruits. But giving is a spiritual discipline that is often, unfortunately, associated with obligation. Okay, I feel I have to give. No, this is something that comes out of your heart as you pray the Lord to open your heart to look for opportunities to give your others. Giving changes your perspective. You actually begin to realize how much you have, and when we give, we get a glimpse of the abundance of God. When we hoard out of fear, we live in a mindset of scarcity that robs us of intimacy with God. So these are ten disciplines. Take it, leave it as you will. I I would hope that you at least do the first three, because the first three is foundational, basic nourishment for the relationship between you, us, and, and God. Um, this is a, an author that had a great book on spiritual disciplines, uh, Donald Whitney. just says, God has given us the spiritual disciplines as a means of receiving his grace and growing in godliness. By them, we place ourselves before God to allow him to work in us. So let's go ahead and, and I'll just uh, say a short prayer. We'll move into, um, into uh, communion. I, don't, I know that you have a system and a process here. So if there are ushers that will come forward, that will... Um, be uh, 
helping to distribute the elements. We will be doing, I guess, down the middle aisle and taking the elements and then going back out and sitting down. Uh, also, I'll be looking for an opportunity for those of you that can't uh, to bring back the elements uh, to you as well. So if the, whoever will be um, standing up here and helping with the distribution, I'll ask you to come forward now. Father God, we just commit this service to you, the remaining part as we celebrate, Father, the shed blood and the broken body of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father God, may we practice the spiritual disciplines this coming as we move forward to help us grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I guess I can do it from up here. Now, as you'll find out in a couple of weeks, they'll figure out what's going on. That's great. Um, as you find out in a couple of weeks, we talk about Passover. There was an intentionality about Jesus taking the elements uh, for Passover and, and creating the, um, uh, the Lord's Supper. So here's the Bible says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. This is Paul, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took his bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And I don't know, can we have any music playing in the background? Or, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of getting into this whole process. What would you like us to play? (laughs) And if you can't, I will come around. When this is done, we'll bring a a tray to you so that you you can... Participate. We certainly want that.